Now, if you turn to Matthew 13, I got a feeling I'm not going to get through this today completely. And uh, I always say, to me, it's not a matter of getting through something. It's a matter of what the Lord wants for any given time or any given occasion. And so please pray for me as I go through this. Um, We'll see how far the Lord uh, allows us to go. But we are looking at the kingdom parables in Matthew 13. Every one of these parables is opening up to us the understanding in a tangible, practical way that we can get hands-on understanding to have our prayer answered when we pray to our Father, as the Lord told us to pray, uh, that his kingdom would come. How do you know when that prayer has been answered? If I said go outside and seek cars... You know, the Bible, Jesus says, seek ye first, seek ye first what? The kingdom. If I say go outside and seek cars, you say, okay, that's pretty nebulous. What do you mean, go outside and seek cars? Well, if I say go outside and seek red cars, well, you might go looking for my car at that point. But at least you'd have more of a handle, you'd have more tangible understanding of what I meant by seeking cars. Go seek red cars. If I said, go seek red cars that have luggage racks on top of them, that would eliminate a bunch of them. And on and on and on I could go as far as giving more details about seeking cars. And the more details you get about seeking the type of car you're supposed to be seeking, the more tangible and practical you can go outside and be able to accomplish that. That's what these mystery parables in Matthew 13 are given to us. And we all need to be praying. I spent a lot of time uh, this morning praying. I would suggest that we all pray according to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, where God tells us that this is the way we should pray. We should pray that God would fill every one of us with the knowledge of his will, which is some of the points I want to make here about the kingdom. The kingdom of God has to do with the will of God. It says that we should pray that we might know the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We should pray for that as we go through the, this kingdom teaching, especially Matthew 13 and other places we'll be headed We should be praying that God would give us wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we, every one of us would be able to walk worthy of the Lord's life. A worthy walk is the life of the Lord himself. And so how do we do that in practical ways? Well, it gives you a whole list there in Colossians 1. It says that we'll be able to be fruitful in every good work. It says that we'll be able to increase personally in knowing God. No, we're not just talking about facts about God, intellectual assent about God, or Bible lessons we've heard. I'm talking about knowing God personally, intimately. If, if God answers the prayer that we're filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, we'll be fruitful in every good work, we'll increase in the knowledge of God, and we'll be strengthened with might 
by his glorious power to all patience and long suffering. And if you just stop right there, that would be enough. I mean, that would be enough to say, well, wow, that's going to take some wonder. That's going to take some glorious power. Undo all patience. Let's talk about patience in every situation of life, every circumstance of life. Long suffering in every situation, every circumstance of life. All patience and long suffering. That would be enough of a challenge right there for it's going to require miracles of God. But he, he, he says that if his prayer is answered, it will be with joyfulness. It's one thing to be patient and long suffering. It's quite another thing to be patient and long suffering with joyfulness. Now we're really getting up into the kingdom of heaven. We're really getting up. We're going, if we're going to soar that way down here on earth, we've got to understand what's going on in the heavenly places. So I'd encourage you to use that prayer in the days ahead and weeks ahead. You'd be praying that for your family, praying that for your marriage, praying that for your sons and daughters, your grandsons and granddaughters. And uh, those four characteristics of a worthy walk would be tangibly manifest here as we go through these kingdom, understanding of God's kingdom. Every one of these parables in Matthew 13 starts out when the Lord says, Everyone except uh, the last one. The last one has the phrase in the middle of the verse. But the other seven start out, The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And like I say, the eighth parable has that phrase embedded. It's not at the beginning, but it's in the middle. And so we're talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. When a person is saved, when a person is regenerated, when a person is truly born again, when a person truly comes to know true repentance and saving faith in Jesus Christ, that person is brought out of the powers of darkness kingdom. There's two kingdoms operating in the heavenly places. The kingdom of darkness power is operating in the heavenly places. And God's kingdom is operating in the heavenly places. And it tells us in uh, Colossians chapter 1, right after that prayer, as a matter of fact, right after praying that prayer, it talks about that those who understand um, salvation and conversion and regeneration, are, they're brought out of the powers of darkness. And, they're, and when you're saved and regenerated, you're brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. Remember that? This is kingdom living, kingdom power, kingdom authority, kingdom righteousness, kingdom marriages, kingdom parenting. This, this needs to be practical and not just theologically theoretical. It needs to get down to where the rubber meets the road as far as the, the trenches of life. And that's what this understanding of God's kingdom will do for us. Now, God gives truth, which we'll be looking at in the sower and the seed. God gives truth. If we do not respond to truth, there's different ways that God gives truth. Um, if we do not respond to truth, and if we do not respond to the light, I'm talking about any person in the world. If we do not respond to truth and we do not respond to the light that God gives us, just like in the sower and the seed parable, 
and the birds come and they take that seed away, right? And who did the Lord Jesus say the seed is? When he gave the interpretation we just read? The wicked one. We're talking about powers of darkness. We're talking about a spiritual battle. We're talking about spiritual conflicts here. We're not just talking about planet Earth and what we can see vertically on the human level. We're talking about spiritual powers that can only be overcome based on the blood atonement, resurrected, ascended, glorified, exalted life of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's already won the victory. Amen? We're not trying to get the victory. The Lord's already won the victory. We need to live in the reality of the victory he has accomplished. Tap into it. Appropriate it. Cooperate with what God has done and what God is doing by faith. But we're not going to be able to get there if we're only walking by sight and we're not walking by faith with spiritual discernment of what's going on uh, beyond what we can see with our physical eyes. And the Lord said in John 3, he says, unless a person is born again, he cannot see or comprehend or enter into what's going on as to the kingdom of God. In order to understand the dynamics of the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. You've got to be regenerated. You've got to be born two times, not just have a physical birthday. You have to have a spiritual birthday. And so once we're born again and we have the Holy Spirit within us and we're praying the prayers that God wants us to pray, like I just mentioned, that he would fill us with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual. What kind of understanding? Spiritual understanding. Then we get, God begins to give us spiritual discernment of the dynamics of what's taking place that is above, it's above the human and flesh what we can see with our eyes. And so these parables for unbelievers is to protect the truth from unbelievers. And for believers, these parables are to help us receive it and understand it and apply it. And so uh, in Matthew 13, when the Lord gives the interpretation of the sower and the seed, in Matthew 13, verse 19, I'd like you to notice verse uh, 19. And he doesn't just say when anyone hears the word. What does he say? When anyone hears what? The word of the kingdom. So you kind of have to enlarge your mind here. You know, he's not just simply talking about the word of God. He's talking about specifically what God's word reveals to us about the kingdom. The kingdom authority, the kingdom power. And by the way, you can't talk about the kingdom without talking about the king. Amen. Amen. If all you talk about is the kingdom and you don't get to the king, you miss it all. Amen. Listen, we serve the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. That we, we know him in a personal way. Personal way we know this king of kings. We're able to come boldly to his throne of grace. 
and find mercy to help in time of need, which is what I was pleading for this morning, by the way. Mercy, mercy. God be merciful to us. God be merciful to us. God be merciful to us. Now, I'd like to start with the hard ground. I've already preached a whole message about the hardness, what I consider to be the heart of the hardness. We've already had one message on that. But I'd like to look at the hard ground now from the perspective of rejection of light and rejection of truth. Whenever we reject the light that God gives, and listen, the condemnation of any person in the world at the judgment the Lord tells us very clearly in John chapter 3, if there's going to be condemnation at the judgment, he gives the ultimate reason for it. Men love darkness. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. It's not that men, man, I'm talking about mankind, It's not that mankind does not have light. All mankind has light. Any generation that has ever lived has light. But it's what you do with the light. Now, if you do not respond to the light that God gives on, on whatever level we are of responding to the light, immediately we give ground to the powers of darkness. When did the birds of the air come? When the light was there and the truth was there. And the context of Matthew 13 is Matthew 12 in previous chapters. The Lord in the blazing light of the glory of his deity, the glory of being the God-man, the glory of being the Messiah that Israel had longed for and had all the messianic prophecies uh, all the expectation of this Messiah coming to deliver. He he demonstrated he was the Messiah. He demonstrated, for instance, in Matthew chapter 9, if I'm remembering correctly, if somebody closes their eyes when the sun is shining and says, prove to me the sun is shining, this is what's happening. We close our eyes deliberately, And we're responsible to God for it. Every person in the world is responsible to God for it. The light is there. But we deliberately close our eyes because we love the darkness. It's not that we don't have the light that's been given. We love the darkness. And so when we close our eyes, give it to you this way, in 2 Thessalonians it's talking about the end times, but the principle is the same. If you In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, If you do not receive the love of the truth, which is the light that God gives, when God gives light, he gives truth. If you do not receive the light of truth that comes through Jesus Christ ultimately and finally, If you do not receive the love of the truth, it says that God allows strong delusion to come your way. Everybody remember that? And in 2 Corinthians 4, it talks about Satan 
in Second Corinthians 4, it talks about the God of this age. I believe is the exact words there in Second Corinthians 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of those who believe not. The truth is right there. The light of the truth is right in front of them. And they deliberately close their eyes to the truth. And this is where the hardness starts. I try to pray, and sometimes when I'm uh, talking with folks and uh, praying about things, I try to say a good thing to do if you're trying to figure out why you're in the mess you're in, which we're all in a mess. I'm not blaming others. I'm saying if we're going to figure out God's answer to our challenges in life, a good thing to do is to go back and, and, and ask God to show you, where did I depart from truth? Where did I depart from truth? At what point did I depart from truth? Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. So if you can go back to the moment in time, and there's different moments in time that we reject different truth or different light that God has given. And if you don't go back and get to the root of it, you, may, you don't get the resolution of it. So it's a good thing to pray and ask God, God, and uh, I want to make some points here because uh, sometimes we jump ship in, in different ways before we ever get to the Word of God. So the, the hardness starts with your conscience. It starts with your conscience. And uh, in Romans chapter 2, the first half of the chapter, the whole first half of the chapter is understanding God's judgment. And God explains to us how he judges things. And one of the things he starts out in the very beginning of the chapter, in Romans chapter 2, he says, God's judgment is according to truth. Remember that? God's judgment is according to truth. Because God gives truth to all people. It's just a matter of whether or not people have responded to the truth. And the place where truth starts is in the conscience. And in Romans chapter 2, he talks about that the Gentiles, which in the, in the terminology of what he's talking about would be the unbelievers, the Gentiles who have not the law do by nature the things that are in the law, and it's demonstrating that they're responding to their conscience within that's speaking to them about the truth that's in the law. That's in Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 1, and by the way, it's in Romans, Paul systematically, thoroughly sets out to explain in the first three chapters of uh, Romans, uh, uh, the first three chapters, he's systematically explaining our problem with sin. Remember when you get to uh, chapter 3, verse 23, he concludes with, what does he conclude with? All have sinned. And he's explaining how sin begins. And sin begins in the conscience. I mean, sin began with Adam and Eve, don't misunderstand me. But I'm talking about there, time, there comes a time in your life where you reach an age of accountability. 
There comes a time in your life where you begin to sort out in your conscience. There's a right and there's a wrong. In Romans chapter 1, if you look at the uh, English Standard Version, the, the King James says, the, I'm going to give it to you, the King James says, the, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. King James says, who hold, what do they hold? What do all men hold? All men hold the truth. Now, I, I think the ESV brings out I think it brings out the sense of it. Was it anybody have the ESV? What does it say? Suppress the truth. You can't suppress something that you don't have. Amen. And you have it internally. You have it internally. You have it in your conscience. It you know it tells us about Moses in the the, the great faith chapter of the Bible. Hebrews 11, it says, When Moses was come of age, I believe is the way the King James gives it to us, he chose, when he, when he, when he, he began to understand in his conscience, he began to understand right and wrong. I mean, he was steeped in the humanism of what he was being raised in. Amen? And so many times we want to blame our environment. So many times we want to blame our neighborhood. So many times we want to blame something outside of us. As, well, that's why I turned out the way I turned out, because something outside of me. Listen, it's not what's outside of you that's the problem. It's what's inside of us that's the problem. And it says, when Moses come of age, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, rather than be called the son of Pharaoh's uh, daughter. His conscience was speaking to him. And so Romans 1 talks about suppressing the truth in your conscience internally. Romans 2 talks about the conscience that Gentiles do by nature the things contained in the law, talking about unbelievers. So this is where the hardness, this is, I would say, if you want to look at the beginning stages of hardness, and the, the idea that the Lord's given to us here is the reason why the ground is hard, the reason why it's hard, the reason why it's hard, the reason why it's hard, is getting packed down, packed down, packed down, because there's a rejection of truth, rejection of truth, rejection of truth, rejection of light. And it just keeps... It just keeps getting harder and harder and harder. And, you know, as I've said, if you respond to light, what does God do? Gives you more light. But if we don't respond to truth and light, what happens to the truth and light we have? We start losing ground on it. This is just a universal spiritual law. It's a universal spiritual principle. The normal, you know, the Bible says the path of the just is like a shining, what's the path of the just light? The path of the just is like a shining light which grows more and more to the perfect day. We, we just keep moving forward in light, keep moving forward upward, 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 upward in the light of what God's given us 
as far as the truth goes. And I tell you, it, a lifetime is not enough time. Amen? Eternity, God will be uh, opening our eyes to so many things. I, I mean, right, right up until the time we take our last breath, we are a work in progress. So you start with uh, the hard ground with conscience. And then in Romans chapter 1, you also have creation. He goes on to talk about uh, the things of God are clearly understood by the things which are made in Romans chapter 1. And now we're talking about not something internally. Now we're talking about externally. Uh, in the Old Testament, the, in the Old Testament, it says the heavens, what do the heavens declare? The heavens declare the glory of God day unto day, night unto night. The whole earth, the whole created earth is full of what? Full of his glory. We're talking about the blazing light. The blazing light of, of creator God. You have to purposely close your eyes not to see it. Purposely. Which actually I had printed in your bulletin. We, when the Lord was explaining why he spoke in parables, he made this statement, Matthew 13, uh, verses 15 and 16. The prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled in, in the Israel nation because they had the blazing light of who Christ the Messiah was right there in front of them. In Matthew chapter 9, the Lord had that man that was let down through that roof Remember the four friends that brought that man and let him down through the roof? And when the Lord saw, the Lord says he saw their faith. And when he saw their faith, what did he say to the man? He said, your sins be what? Be forgiven. And of course, the, uh, the religious uh, uh, Ju- Ju- Judaism, religious spies, which are always there with a magnifying glass looking for something they could charge the Lord with, They said, this man's blaspheming. Nobody can forgive sins but God. What's the Lord doing? He's demonstrating, I am God. I am God manifest in the flesh. I'm your Messiah. I'm your one that can deliver you from the power of sin. Only problem was they wanted the Messiah to deliver the power of the Roman stuff. They didn't want to be delivered themselves. They, it was all somebody else that needed to be delivered. They needed to be delivered from somebody else. But they didn't see internally the sin problem in themselves. Amen. If you don't see the sin problem in yourself, then your heart keeps getting harder. It keeps getting harder. So the Lord said that you may know And if I'm remembering correctly, it's a very important way that the Lord described himself. He mentions it in the parables also. In Matthew 13, when the Lord, his way of describing himself was to refer to himself as the son of who? The son of man. You go back to Daniel, and that prophecy about the son of man had to do with Messiah. 
And so he says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. This is Messiah, Son of Man. The God-Man, Messiah. You may know he has authority to forgive sins. I say to this man, take up your bed. What did he say to him? I forget what he said to him, but he healed him. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say the blazing light of these miracles that Christ did was proving who he was. And there, it was, uh, they couldn't do away with it. They couldn't explain it away. That's why in Matthew 12 they had to say it was coming from the powers of darkness. They couldn't explain it away. They had to find some way to justify their not responding to this blazing light of truth. And all they're doing is just closing their eyes. Closing their eyes. And when you close your eyes, the powers of darkness, that's when the blindness can come in and and seep in and seep in and seep in. But we are responsible. Do not blame the devil for the spiritual blindness. The devil takes advantage of the choice we make to close our eyes to the truth. Close our eyes to the light. I mean, the devil takes a lot of blame for stuff that we are responsible for. And you don't get free from sin by blaming the devil. Amen. The way to get free from sin is to say, Lord, be merciful to me. What am I? I'm a sinner. You have to acknowledge your sinfulness. Acknowledge your depravity. Acknowledge the corruption. Acknowledge the deceitfulness of your own heart. So you have the... uh, conscience and you have the creation and i believe it's in psalms 14 it says only a fool and it doesn't just say it doesn't just say only a fool would say there is no god if you look at the italics of it then in psalms 14 it says only a fool would say no to the god who is there no to the god who is truly there and you know he's there you know that god is there and Only a fool would say no to the God who is there because there's so much evidence, so much light, blazing light of who God is. But we don't want the light. We love the darkness. And this is the condemnation. Now I want to move to something maybe that you may not have ever heard it framed this way before. I don't know. But I want to move to what uh, the Bible calls the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. This is in Proverbs 6.23. The reproofs of instruction are the way of life. God does not waste reproof. God doesn't waste circumstances that he allows in our life. When God allows circumstances in our life, he's bringing truth to us. If you don't see God in the circumstances of your life, you're going to get bitter about it. You're going to get angry about it. You're going to even question whether God loves you or whatever. Listen, everything that God allows is so that we can come to the light, come to the truth. That's why in that prayer I mentioned in Colossians 1, I didn't get to the last characteristic of a worthy walk, but it says giving thanks to the Father. Giving thanks to the Father. Listen, Nobody gets anything straight in life without giving thanks to God for everything that God allows. 
You got to think, that's what the Bible says, in everything, in everything, what does he say? In everything, give thanks. If you give thanks to God, you can see the truth. It, it opens up the door for you to see the light, to get the wisdom. It's like the psalmist said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. So God's word will open up to me. I'll see things I've never seen before. I'll understand the cross. I'll understand what it, what it took for Jesus Christ to save me. I'll begin to get some, just some little understanding of what he had to go through to save me. I tell you, when you start to see those kind of things, that's what caused you to love him. Amen. That's when your love for him grows. When you see what he was willing to go through to save us from our own self-destruction. So I'm going to read Proverbs 1. I'm going to take time to read Proverbs 1 because I believe this is part of the hardness. You have the conscience. You have the creation. But you have the reproofs of life. And if you're paying attention, God is using the reproofs of life to get your attention to bring you to the truth. Wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city, she utters her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And you scorners. Now, a person that's scorning, what are they scorning? They're scorning the truth. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Now, listen to what God says. Turn you at my reproof. You know that scripture uh, Jesus talked about? The Old Testament, in, in the Old Testament, God said, my spirit, my spirit will not always. Remember that scripture? My spirit will not always. Strive with man. We're in the category here of how God uses the reproofs of life to try to get people to get broken before him, to get humble before him, to, to fall down before him and say, the reason why things are going the way they're going is because I'm sinning against God. I'm sinning against light. I'm sinning against truth. And just be honest. Just be honest. Just acknowledge to God, this is what the truth is. The reason why, you know, the Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow in your life, whatever you sow in your life, what does the Bible say? Don't blame it on God. You reap what you sow. And so when, when, you, when you're reaping what you've sown, God's reproving you. And the reason why God's reproving us is to bring us to himself. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit. If you will turn, now this is just another way of saying repent. It's another way of saying face the truth about who you are and what you are. Be honest before God with what's really in your heart. Confess the truthfulness of what is. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. He's speaking to scorners. 
that are being reproved. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. You have set at naught all my counsel in the reproofs of life. I'm reproving you. I'm reproving you. I'm reproving you. And you're, you're not recognizing that, that I'm there at all. You have set at naught all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. God doesn't say, well, it's just something happening to you by coincidence. He says you would have none of my, what do he say? None of whose reproof? This is me reproving. You have said it not all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I will laugh. God says I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose. Now, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of. Okay, we don't get started with God without without the fear of the Lord. We don't get started with anything about light and truth without the fear of the Lord. You hated knowledge and you did not choose the fear of the Lord. You would have none of my counsel. You despised all my reproof. Therefore, now this is the conclusion that God is saying. The reason why uh, uh, this is happening to you. Therefore, shall you eat of the fruit of your own way. Did I just preach a message about that two Sundays ago? When I said the heart of the hardness is that we want, what do we want? We want our own way. Didn't I just preach a whole message on that? All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way. The same thing God's saying here. He's saying these reproofs that are coming your way is coming your way because you're choosing to go your own way. You're refusing to give up and surrender to your creator. How can the creature say to the creator, I don't like what you're doing. I don't have to submit to you. We wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the creator. And furthermore, I love to talk with the guy that made the computer or the guy that wrote the computer program instead of me trying to boggle my brain figuring out how to fix it. It's, stupid. it's foolishness not to go to the one who wrote it. It's foolishness not to go to the one who created it. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. He's the creator God. He's the creator God. If you don't start there, you don't make progress. So he says, you shall eat of the fruit of your own way and be filled with your own devices. The turning away of the simple shall slay them. There's five types of fools in Proverbs. Every every person in life starts out as a simple fool. And then you work your way up. If you you keep rejecting light and rejecting truth and rejecting light and rejecting truth, you end up being a scorning fool. You know, you keep going up the ladder, depending upon how hard your heart is. So with that said, the final point I'd like to make about the way God brings light to us, which is the obvious one, 
God's word. What is God's word? God's word is a light. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I'm so thankful to God. He's given us a perfect word from him. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's perfect. Don't add to it and don't take away from it. Because if you add to it or take away from it, in Revelation it says the curses that the Bible talks about will come upon your life. You're talking about perfect truth. Perfect truth. Absolute truth. Inerrant truth. As manifested in the life of Jesus himself because Jesus himself is the word. Amen. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so the perfectness of everything that's in the word of God was manifested in the incarnation of Christ here on earth. You're talking about the blazing light. I, I was telling uh, Vicki, uh, we were talking, I was sitting there yesterday meditating about this. And I said, you know what? When we, when we relate to each other, we're always relating to imperfect people. But whenever they related to Christ, he was perfect. Can you imagine? Every one of us still has flaws. I mean, you're talking about the blazing light, the perfect light. You're talking about people that rejected perfect light. I tell you, that gives great hope to a preacher. You know, because if people rejected perfect light... (laughs) Uh, you know, you can't blame yourself for being an imperfect preacher if they don't respond to light. Because the problem is not with the uh, light. God's given light to everybody. The problem is in the heart of man. And the first heart is, what is the first heart? Hard heart. Hard heart. And so faith comes by hearing. And every, hopefully everything I'm preaching is coming from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So when you respond in faith to the Word of God, you're responding to the truth of what God says about life. And God, if you're responding to the truth of what God says about life, He's going to point you as quick as possible to His Son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the way. What else is he? He's the truth. And he's the life. uh, life. So you don't get to truth unless you come to Christ. Ultimately and finally you got to come to Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And not just talking about coming to uh, truth as an intellectual proposition. We're talking about the life of Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We can't live the truth without Christ living in us. Amen. And amen. There's no way we're going to live the truth. It's got to be Christ's life through us. Now, I'm going to jump ahead and close this sermon. This relates to the stony ground. But it it relates to the uh, kingdom. And Jesus said, and by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount, he referred to the kingdom over and over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are they that mourn, right? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be what? 
confident. You don't mourn about being sick. You mourn about deadness. Deadness. As long as we think we're sick in sin, it, we think, well, well, you know, we can get fixed up. We can get repaired. Listen, we're not sick in sin. What does the Bible say? We are dead in sin. And the only way for us to get it right is we've got to be brought back from the dead. Amen? Somebody's got to bring us back from the dead who has paid for sin and made it possible for us to be brought back from the dead never to die again. And uh, our Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished that. Amen? And so... Don't say, give me enough time and I'll get this right with God. Give me enough time and I'll get this right with God. Give me enough time. No, you are dead. You're dead. You'll never get it right. Run to the cross. Run to the Savior. Run to the the one that can resurrect you from the dead and give you new life. Not repair the old life. Amen. Amen. God, and you know, God, what did Jesus say? God doesn't put new wine into old wineskins. We all need new life in Christ. Amen. That's when you really get saved. All right, let's pray. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to our heart about our rejection of light in the conscience. I pray you speak to our heart about the rejection of light in the creation. I pray you speak to our heart about the rejection of light, light in the reproofs of light, uh, of reproofs of life, and speak to our heart about our rejection of the truth that's in your word, and ultimately we're talking about in your son. And may we humble ourselves and not have any notion in our mind that we can fix what's going on, just give us enough time. May we fall on our face before you, recognizing the depravity of corruption in the very core of our being, the nature of our being, that we have a sin nature against you, and the only way we can go is away from you, unless you give us a new heart. And I pray that you're speaking to anybody today and for the first time in their life, they realize, I need a new heart. I need new life. I'm not going to grow up and get this right without Jesus Christ. I need a new heart from him, a new life. I've got to exchange my life for the life of Christ. So the truth can be lived through me, not because I'm trying hard to live the truth, but because Jesus Christ himself is the truth living through me. And so if anybody needs to pray and receive and believe and confess their sin to receive the living Lord Jesus Christ to be their Savior, I pray it happened today, even as we sing this hymn. In Jesus' name, amen.